This is Carolyn Holly. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory. Game Plan for Life is brought to you by the following sponsors. Alan Marsh Travel Center, Access Heating and Air, St. Alphonsus Medical Center, Christian Brothers Automotive, Matt Bauscher and Terry Hefner, exceed your real estate goals. Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Idaho Independent Bank, the Idaho Bank. Domino's, oh yes we did. Foot Dynamics, the place to go. Bronco Motors, trust is the bottom line at Bronco. And Grace Assisted Living, Grace is the place. Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Today we have as our special guest, Major General Gary Saylor, who has just retired uh, from the National Guard. And we're going to hear his story today. I'm excited about having him here. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Skip. My pleasure to be here. This is an unusual uh, feeling for Gary because he's in casual clothes today, and I'm, I'm sure after 45 years of being in the military, that's that's something a little different for you. Well, it is an adjustment. Uh, one of those things, you get used to wearing the same uniform every day, and uh, now we actually get to select the clothes. So it's an adjustment I'm looking forward to, though. Good. Well, now you can wear what you want. Well, let me just introduce Gary in a proper way, and then we're going to dive into his story and and kind of what uh, has happened over those 45 years and even before that, and then uh, maybe talk a little bit about what what might lie ahead. So Major General Gary Saylor has been the Adjutant General in Idaho. As the Adjutant General, he's the Governor's Senior Military Advisor and was responsible for the command and administration of the Idaho Army and Air National Guard. Additionally, Gary was the governor's Homeland Security Advisor and oversaw the Idaho Bureau of Homeland Security. General Saylor uh, has been a member of the governor's cabinet. Well, that's a mouthful, but uh, obviously uh, I'm sure you've enjoyed that ride and, and I'd like to have you describe maybe a little bit before we go back a little bit about your responsibilities uh, as the, the major general. Well, thanks, Skip. Um, the adjutant general is a, is a position appointed by the governor of the state. And a, as you mentioned, I oversee the uh, really the training and the readiness of the National Guard in Idaho. That's prim- probably the, the biggest part of the job. So in that, um, we have about uh, 5,000 guardsmen in Idaho and I am responsible for making sure that they are trained and ready not only to carry out their state mission, which the citizens will, will see occasionally when, we're, uh, when we have the, the spring flooding or the heavy snow like last winter or the fires. Those are the typical reasons when the National Guard would, would go and do its state mission. But probably what people are more familiar with is the federal mission. As you see, members of the Army Guard and the Air National Guard uh, deploy, mobilize, and deploy overseas these last 20 years, That that's the federal part of the mission. So making sure that uh, we have the right resources, that we have the right equipment, and then mostly the right uh, people and, and the trained people is a big part of the job. 
the other part is the uh, Office of Emergency Management. And so we also have a group there that is responsible for making sure the citizens of Idaho are prepared um, to deal with disasters. And then if those disasters come, we help them through the mitigation process, uh, working through FEMA and the federal grant process to make sure that um, those resources are, are given to to those areas and those citizens to rebuild. Uh, particularly, uh, I think we have four of them, uh, four federal disasters currently ongoing in the state, just to recover from last winter's snowfall and, and some spring flooding. So that's a big part of the job. Mm, wow. Um, a couple of other things, of course, um, we were able to start a youth challenge program that's run uh, through the Department of Defense. This youth challenge program is a school, it's a in-residence school for kids that are 16 to 18 years old who have dropped out of high school. So it's kind of a second chance program for these kids. And I, I, we run that through the adjutant general's office. Mm. And that's been a very, very successful program, helping these kids get their lives back on track. Wow, what a what a worthwhile venture that is. That is a great program. Yep, absolutely. Anything else you'd like to share about that position? That you, How many years were you in that position? <clears throat> I was in that position for about uh, seven and a half years uh, total. Okay. Um, obviously, you know, we work with the legislature on budgets and, and changes in some legislation that affects the military division, work with all the, the Native American tribes um, throughout the state a lot because much of the training areas that we utilize are, are part of their, uh, you know, part of the land that they uh, inhabited earlier. And so we work with them to maintain good relationships. Sure. And then we also have a, a state partnership program that we started while I was the adjutant general where we work with the country of Cambodia, and we help them, train them uh, in civil response and civil disaster mitigation, and also do some basic leadership training with them and some basic military training with their military. So those are, those are kind of the big programs in addition to just making sure the Army and the Air is ready for deployments. Well, well you've had a tremendous responsibility, and, and I'm sure you feel... Real good about those things that you've been able to add to the mix there also, and and I think you told me that you you were in the in the military for forty five years, five months, and four days. But who's counting? That's correct. <laughs> uh, some people have called me a quitter, but you know, I guess. Uh... Well, it's been a kind of a week long of celebration. Uh, you actually your official retirement was on October thirty first. Is that right? That's correct. And then there was been a been a lot of different celebrations, and and this last Sunday, I know that Governor Otter did the the change of command. And tell us about the, the the new general that's taking over. Okay, the the new um, the new uh, adjutant general is uh, Mike Garshak, and he um, is an army officer. Joined the service uh, more than thirty years ago. Spent uh, some number of years uh, on active duty with the army. Uh, flew the Apache helicopter during the very first Gulf War. Um, uh, after that, then, you know, just in, in an attempt to stabilize his family and not have to move around as the as the Army would would have you do if you were on active duty, he decided to join the National Guard, join the Idaho National Guard, and he's held a number of positions uh, throughout his career in the Guard, 
uh, as an aviation officer and a battalion commander, the state aviation officer, and more recently as the chief of staff of the Army Guard before being appointed as the adjutant general by Governor Otter. Mm. So he's he's well qualified to to take over. He he is very well qualified, and and he's a great individual, and I think he will uh, will be very successful in the job. Um, that's that's great. Well, one of the things that uh, during this this week of celebration and all um, that you received was the Order of the Sword, which is as I understand it, the highest award for an enlisted person. Tell us about the Order of the Sword. The Order of the Sword is. Is a presentation, and and as you would imagine, it's a presentation of a sword in a very very beautiful case. Uh, but this is an award that the enlisted members of the guard can present. It's the highest. It's it's the highest award they can present. Um, there are no officers involved in it in the selection process, and the the award has to be the unanimous consent of the enlisted members. And this is, the, I believe, I was told the first time it's ever been awarded in Idaho. So it's a wow. it's a tremendous honor, yes, um, to to receive this award, uh, particularly since of the five thousand people in the National Guard, probably about ninety uh, percent of them are enlisted members. So the bulk of the force is enlisted, and to have them unanimously agree to present this award to me, is, is really a very oh, high honor. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I've had the privilege of, of speaking a couple times uh, to some of your folks. Uh, one was a prayer breakfast that we did, and, and the other was an opportunity to speak to your about 400 of your leadership folks, and that, to me, was, was uh, quite an honor for me. So I know that's a, a big part of what you do, too. You're, you're constantly... Uh, training and helping people get better and developing leaders and 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 that's a good thing. And and while we're on on air here I would just like to personally thank you for accepting both of those invitations. Uh, the prayer breakfast prayer breakfast obviously was something that we've started uh, since I've been the adjutant general. We hope to see it grow much like the state prayer breakfast but uh, your your words were great. And the, the presentation you gave at the Leadership Day, as you know, there were about 400 of the of officers and the, only the most senior enlisted members there. And that's all about leadership and, and trying to instill the values and, and the integrity that we need in order to function um, like I wanted that unit to function. And, and I still remember your words of coach them up. Mm. Uh, we've used it many times. Yeah. Um, since since you presented that morning, so thank you again. Skip. Well, it was my honor, my privilege. It was it was a great day for me. Well, let's go back in time, General. We're gonna we've covered a little bit about what you've been doing here the last seven and a half years, but let's go back to your roots. Talk, talk to us about where you grew up, and let's go through the progression that led you up un, until the uh, the spot here at the National Guard. Sure. Um, I grew up in the central part of North Dakota. Uh, my dad was a farmer rancher, and my mother uh, managed a clothing store in in the neighbor in the town that I grew up in, town of about a thousand people. I went to high school there. Um, from there, I went off to uh, North Dakota State University. Um, 
primarily uh, went to college, uh, in fact, because I wanted to fly airplanes in the Air Force, and you had to have a college degree to do that. Mm. And so that was really my motivation, frankly, for going to college and finishing college. Right. Um, so I spent uh, four years at, at NDSU in Fargo, uh, got a commission as a second lieutenant through the Reserve Officer Training Corps program, and was actually commissioned just a day or two before I graduated from college. And then about 10 days later, I uh, left for my first active duty station uh, in, in California where I went through uh, flight training. And that's really how my career started. Uh, from there, a number of assignments, uh, training assignments, and then off to Vietnam for a year, and then... Uh, after that year, back to uh, Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico into an operational squadron for a few years. Hmm. Well, there's an impressive uh, list of uh, accomplishments and promotions that I'll just uh, rattle through quickly. Uh, you achieved second lieutenant. That was back in 1971. Then first lieutenant, then captain, then major, then lieutenant colonel, then colonel, then brigadier general, and then major general. So... You uh, you obviously climbed the ladder, and uh, it's got to be a fulfilling thing for you. Well, certainly when I started in 1971, I had never even imagined that I would achieve the rank of major general. So I've been I've been very blessed. The Lord has been good to me mm-hmm. throughout those 46 years, and uh, I, I owe much of it to to the Lord for that's, sure. That's the, that's the, that's the right right answer. Some flight information I think is of interest too. Uh, you're classified as a master navigator, and and um and that requires a certain amount of hours flying, I would guess. Yes, that requires uh, uh, both hours and number of years of being uh, of holding that rating. Um, well, I know you've had more than uh, what, like four thousand flight hours, and and I think the. And then combat hours, I believe, believe is around 392. That, that's correct. So uh, tell us a little bit about flying in combat. I'm sure the listeners would be interested. By well, the way, we're speaking to Major General um, Gary Saylor, who has just retired at the, from the National Guard. Tell us about combat flight. Well, uh, you know, preparing for a combat mission it, it really starts uh, in the home unit where you get your training, um, you know, your training flights every day uh, should be conducted and, and are conducted just like you're going into a combat mission. Some of the, uh, some of the benefits of, of being in Idaho here are the airspace and the ranges we have are really good training for going into combat. Uh, back in, in my early career when I went to Vietnam, the training was not quite as good and we weren't quite as well prepared. But once you get there, um, so I arrived, and about the first week, they send you, they, you go through a very intensive program to get you ready to fly your first combat missions. So all the, all the threats that you had learned about, all the other things that you had learned about the weapons, now you're in, you're in kind of a crash course, more specific to the missions, you're, the kind of missions you're going to be flying and the kind of weapons that you're going to be carrying. And so, um, you know, we went through that, and then, of course, everybody in the squadron has been flying, 
So as a new person in combat, you're you're paired up with somebody who's been there probably for about six or seven months. You know, you get to learn from them. Generally in Vietnam, we started off with, with some of the more low threat missions. And then the longer you're there, you work your, yourself or, or, you know, you work as a crew into those more high threat environments. I can tell you the first, uh, first couple of times uh, that we were shot at, mm. it was uh, strange. Yeah. Uh, really didn't even understand we were being shot at until my seasoned guy and the other cockpit of the F4 uh, told me that we were we were taking fire and so you know you learn a lot sure you do. think you're well prepared but but you learn a lot I suppose coach it's like you do a lot of practice but that first game day it's still yep. different than it practice is. it is you um, don't know exactly what to expect no you don't and so you know that was that was a, a good tour um, flew a lot of missions got to fly a lot really opened your eyes you know you see uh, some people who, you know, you might see them in the morning and then that afternoon they come up missing, they don't return, you know. So my very first day, the very first person I met when I arrived on station helped me get into the squadron I was assigned to. And then later that day he flew and then he never came back. Wow. And I never saw him again. Wow. And it was about 10 years after the conflict ended where they finally found his remains. So that very first day, it really puts it in yes. perspective that this it is not training attention. anymore. Yeah, it gets you know, your it's, attention. This it, is real it, life It's stuff. the real thing. Real so, deal. Yep. And then um, flew some combat sorties in the desert later on. They were more enforcing no-fly zones, so there wasn't a lot of enemy activity because we were, we were there to make sure that Saddam Hussein and, and his army didn't do anything foolish. Uh, we did have one particular day when we did uh, have to react to, to what they were doing. Mm. Uh, but it was a little bit different combat role than what I had flown sure. in, in Southeast Asia. Sure, sure. And I know you've, you've flown different planes, uh, the C-130E, the F-4C, D, E, and G, the RF-4C, and the T-29. Now, that may not mean a lot to a lot of listeners, but I know there's probably some that, that would uh, recognize those. And uh, and obviously, that's 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 quite an accomplishment to handle all those planes. Well, I'm not going to embarrass you by going through all the awards and recognitions that you've received, but there's, an, there's a lot. And uh, uh, certainly a career uh, well served. Um, I do want to talk, however, a little bit about your family. Tell us about your family and how how is it? It's, I'm sure it's a lot like a coach's uh, situation with with your family. You're you're gone a lot, and obviously the the responsibilities get passed on. Well, um, I met my wife actually when I was on active duty. She was on active duty as well. She was a lieutenant, and I was a lieutenant just making captain. Uh, she graduated from Montana State University, and she had a degree in nursing. And she joined the Air Force, and so I met her down in New Mexico. And her name? Her name is Sherry. Sherry, um, all right. And we've been married since 1976. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So we moved to CUNA, uh, or out in the country between Nampa, CUNA, and Meridian. And we have three kids. Uh, our oldest son, Nathan, he is on active duty right now, serving. He's stationed down in Alabama. And then we have a, a daughter, and she works for... Ada County Sheriff's Office, wow. and then our youngest son spent 
four years on active duty in the Air Force, but he left active duty and he's finishing up some school right now in Southern California. So we have the three kids, um, and like you mentioned, in in your profession, in the coaching, this job was was very busy, did a fair amount of traveling, some deploying, and so I, you know, my wife, Sherry, was, uh, you know, she did a great job with our kids. Uh, She homeschooled them for a while, and and she really was there. She wore out about four minivans, taking them to... (laughs) Soccer and football sure. and I'm dance sure. lessons and and all those things. So, yeah. she was she was a great partner. Uh, oh, that's and, great! And, uh, immense, immensely important in the kids' lives. Absolutely. Well, I call those wives VSPs. You know, we we know what VIPs are. Well, VSPs are very special people, and uh, we can't uh, we can't do the things we do without them. So. I'm sure Sherry has been a big part of, of your career. She has been. Um, I know you to be a man of faith, and you've mentioned a little bit uh, already, but uh, what role has, has faith played through all of this for you? It, it, it's been an immense part of the job. And when I, when I look at my career and the number of years I've spent and the positions that I've been able to occupy, I can see four or five specific times when either a law changed, a rule changed, something changed that enabled me to get promoted, stay longer, achieve that next step. Mm. And I I am a firm believer that in every one of those cases, that was the Lord. The Lord was in it. Uh, So many times I've been asked to do something, to speak someplace, um, I think that I'm sure there's, it's not every time, but nearly every time I just asked the Lord to help me do the best I could. I wasn't looking to be the greatest speaker in the world or the greatest anything, but just to do the best that I could. Hmm. So the Lord has been very good to me. And I think, you know, everything that I've been able to achieve uh, wouldn't have happened without Hmm. the Lord being there. That's, that's terrific. Well, you mentioned next step in there. Um, what is the next step? Well, uh, my wife and I plan to do a little bit of snowboarding this year. We're going to go down to Good idea. Arizona for a mm-hmm. couple months and uh, just take advantage of some warm weather. When we return, uh, I haven't really decided. Um, you know, there's a number of things that I've thought about uh, volunteering in a couple places. I've been asked uh, still to stay on a couple of the uh, committees that I was mm-hmm. on before. Sure. So that'll keep me a little bit busy. We have a small acreage out there, so, you know, that'll, I can always find something to do out there. <laughs> sure so can. those are those are kind of my uh, plans right now. Yeah. Have you got strong passions or hobbies? Uh, you haven't had a chance, time I for a hobby, I really probably. developed any hobbies. I've always said that when I retire, I'll, you know, learn how to play golf. But I haven't all these years. I don't know if I will now or not. But, uh, you know, it would just be nice to, to start doing a little bit of fishing again. Um, some of these things, I, like I said, we live on, a, on an acreage. Uh, 
I've always kind of ridden horse. I've never really had much chance to do that. So my horse will probably be, be <laughs> the most upset by my retirement because he's going to get used more yeah, than he was before. Yeah, yeah. well, that's that's good. You certainly deserve to, to have some of that time. Um, we've got just a, a couple minutes left, and, and I know there's a an issue going on right now about the F-35. And why don't you inform us a little bit about that and, and give us your take? Okay, well, um, the F-35, to, just to begin with, is the Air Force's newest and, and certainly the most technologically advanced airplane in, in any service in, in the world. It's the future uh, fighter for the, the Air Force. And so, you know, that's the airplane itself. Now, for Boise, the Air Guard here in Idaho, they're currently flying the A-10, the A-10 is an extremely capable airplane and has done yeoman's work for the past 20 years in the desert. But it is an airplane that's older, and it is an airplane that really is just reaching the end of its life. Um, it cannot, it, it just, it can only fly so many thousand hours, and it's approaching that time frame. So the Air Force, uh, several years ago, when it designed the F-35, it was going to replace A-10s. As the next round of, of F-35 decisions uh, was announced, there were five Air National Guard units that were being considered, and Boise was one of them. And so this is our chance to get rid of an aging airplane and take the newest airplane uh, into the Air Guard in Idaho, and that would really be the airplane for the next 35 to 40 years for the Idaho Air Guard. Wow. Well, when will that decision come? That decision has been delayed multiple times, but I think now it should come in late this month or early part of December. Okay, okay, so we should know pretty soon. We should know pretty soon. Okay. Well, again, today our guest has been Major General Gary Saylor, who is uh, now retired. you got to add that word to your, your distinction. Um, but uh, I just want to say this as we close. Uh, thank you for your service. What a great career, a well-deserved uh, thank you and, and uh, a career of distinction. So we, we appreciate all you've done and all those you've influenced, and may God bless you in the years ahead. Thank you very much. Game Plan for Life is brought to you by the following sponsors. Albertsons, it's just better. Dutch Brothers of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. Therapeutic Associates Physical Therapy, your partner in health. Bacon, you gotta love it. Mass Mutual, we'll help you get there. The Eagle and the North End 76 and on-the-fly service stations on Collister and State. All family-owned and Idaho-grown. Hendrickson's Fine Jewelry. McDowell's Specialty Repair. And Summer's Funeral Home, every life leaves a legacy. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the Game Plan for Life. Have a great weekend. And remember, no game plan, no victory.